This week on Glistening Particles. And the reason I joined Team Nat was because she passed away. And I don't know the suffering of sitting there in the hospitals day in and day out as a parent, but I know what it is to be a parent who loses a child. Mm -hmm. And all I could think is, if those parents know we're out there doing this for their kids, Mm -hmm. I want them to know that I am thinking about them as parents, and I see them, and they're not alone. This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Hey, listeners, this is a special series for the Great Cycle Challenge, where I'm hoping to shine light on some of the riders participating in this amazing fundraiser for Children's Cancer Research Fund. Did you know over 15,700 American children are diagnosed with cancer every year, and sadly, 38 children die every week? These riders are in there giving their time and effort to help change that number and change that story. So if you get a chance, go out and donate, and please support this incredible fundraising effort. Thank you. In this episode, I'm talking with Emily Morris. She's riding for the Great Cycle Challenge in Grand Junction, Colorado. Emily's riding for a little bit of a different reason than many of the people you've listened to so far, and still a very valid reason, and probably one that's in the back of all of our minds as we're riding along for the kids. Emily has a few cool random facts to share, and some that are a little bit of a surprise. So enjoy kicking back and listening to Emily's story. Here we go. Hi, Emily. Welcome to Glistening Particles. Hi, how's it going? It is going great. I took the day off work today to um, record episodes. So I'm kind of having like an inspiration. It's like a spa day full of inspiration. So every story is so amazing. (laughs) So thanks for hanging out with me today. Yeah. Well, how about if we start with um, where are you located in the world? I am located in Grand Junction, Colorado. Um, so how did you get involved with the Great Cycle Challenge? Um, so short answer, my sister-in-law, she was liking things on Facebook and I said, what's that? That looks cool. And um, <laughs> we talked about it. I looked it up. I'm a librarian by profession. And so okay. I research everything and I thought it looked good. So I roped my husband into it and that's the short answer. Um Long answer is, I um, I have lost a child, not to cancer, um, mm. but uh, he was born without kidneys, and so he passed away shortly thereafter. Oh, I'm and, so sorry. Oh, thank you. Um, this was about eight years ago, um, and I still have his twin. He's a wonderful little boy. 
But I care about what this group is doing, and I think it's amazing the focus on the kids. And the reason I joined Team Nat was because she passed away, and I don't know the suffering of sitting there in the hospitals day in and day out as a parent, but I know what it is to be a parent who loses a child. Mm -hmm. And all I could think is if those parents know we're out there doing this for their kids, Mm -hmm. I want them to know that I am thinking about them as parents and I see them and they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt very, very lonely after my son passed, Um, especially at night. It was really, really hard. And I got through it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I saw this chance to do something, I thought, you know what? For all those parents out there, for all those who've lost in this process, you know, what's the statistic? 38 a week? That's 38 parents that are sitting in the dark. Right. Crying, oh, you man. know, with right. tears. And I, I, I want them to know that I see them because I've been there in a different capacity, but I've been there. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely. So that was important to me. Um, On the more selfish side, uh, I'm doing a lot of training right now anyway for different events that I'm participating in, and I wanted to put good out in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a chronic pain disorder, and uh, the only way I stay out of pain is to keep moving. Okay. What better way to keep moving than to do it for someone else? Kind there of, is something about that, right? If I'm gonna, yeah. if I'm gonna ride anyway, I might like let me do it for something that it kind of it's like that. It, it's like I'm doing something good for someone else, which always feels good. But it gives me that push, like now, don't let, don't uh, slow down because you did yeah. it. You're doing it for this thing. Yeah, and if I have to suffer a little more so that you know some kids have a chance and some parents know that they've got all of us out there pushing for them, then that makes a difference to the quality of my workouts and it makes a difference on those mornings when I'm like, I'm too tired or I hurt too much to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? They're out of bed. They're sitting there at that bedside. They can do it. I can do it, Mm. you know, and I can do it for them. Well, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and that you're out there doing this. So, so riding for team Nat, you, uh, did you hear about her once you joined Mm-hmm. The ride? Okay, gotcha. Yes, it was after okay. I joined the ride, and I was just watching things, emails that were coming through, and I watched some of the videos of her prior to her passing, and then mm-hmm. what I what struck me the most was when they said that her mom decided to join up and do the ride as well. Hmm. And I thought, you know, for someone who's lost their baby, you know, I know Nat was a teenager, but they're always mm-hmm. your baby. Right. Um, for someone who's lost their baby, what better way to deal with the grief than in community, mm-hmm. in remembrance and support of her? Right. And so that really compelled me to join Team Nat. Um, again, for that mom, that mom, right. that family, you know. Well, and biking. Because it's important that, yeah. the, that we talk about the kids and them having a life and getting to be kids and play. But I right. think an equally important part of that conversation is what those families go through if their child doesn't make it, you know? Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's so painfully challenging going through the treatment, just that first the diagnosis and then the treatment, because as a parent, if there was any way that you could put yourself on that, you know, on that um, operating table or on that Mm -hmm. IV or on that, 
you know, take the pain or whatever it would be in, yep. instead of your kids having to suffer through it. But you mm-hmm. just have to, you just instead get to watch it, you know? Yeah. That's the thing. There, It's like, it's a whole different form of suffering. There's like all these layers of suffering. There's like dealing with the diagnosis, going through the process, and then the loss. And yeah. and, and they're all so intense and so and you different. you just don't know. Right. You know, you sit there. When I was pregnant with my twins, about 12 weeks, we found out something was wrong with one of them. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't tell what was wrong. So I went through a bunch of tests and looking and seeing what we could do and talking to specialists, you know, an hour away from where we lived and doing the thing, you know, Mm -hmm. diagnosis. We don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Baby could pass anytime between now and later. And if he passes later, he could take his brother with him. Mm. And so we sat with that until they were born six weeks early. Okay. Um, so from 12 weeks to whenever that was, I'm not good at math and <laughs> I don't like to think too closely about it. <laughs> right, right. Even still. Um, right. A long time though. Yeah. And we didn't know. Right. What, you know, is there hope or is there not? And you just don't know. And you have to sit with that, you know, and, um, we had to make the decision to let him go or not because we didn't know at the time. We didn't know mm-hmm. until after autopsy what was wrong. Okay. And that what was wrong was he had no kidneys and mm-hmm. you can't live without those. Right. Um, but to have that diagnosis and to sit there through the tests and to sit there through each time a doctor comes, is everything okay? Are we making progress? Are we falling back? What's going on? Mm-hmm. It's so hard. Right. For me, all I could do was sit at my piano and put my hand. I knew where both babies were, and I'd put my hands on them and I'd sing to them. Aww. And I, there was nothing else I could do. It it helped calm the one who was struggling down because he'd he usually um panicked a little in in utero. Um, Hmm. but it was what I could do to hold him and to be one of those parents at the hospital, you know, when your child's scared and all you can do is hold their hand and read them right. a story or sing to them and you do what you can. Right. And you feel, I, I felt, and there's other people who've gone through what I've gone through. I'm not unique. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens more often than any of us I think would like to think. Right. Um, even knowing that it happened to other people. I just felt so alone, mm-hmm. so alone in my pain and alone in my grief and whether or not I actually was, mm-hmm. it's that emotion, right? you know, and, and when you're in the middle of it, you don't see what's around you and that's to be expected and everyone grieves the way they grieve, but that loneliness is so terrifying and I just yep. feel for these parents day in and day out, never knowing, you know, right. Right, and and they they have to endure it much longer than I did. Right. You know? Yep. And I and some it's of just, them go home, and yeah. some of them don't. Yeah, it's definitely one of the hardest things I can imagine. You know, when it's your children. I mean, I went through that mm-hmm. with my mom when she was passing away, but it's a whole different mm-hmm. thing than your child. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. so this that's why I love this cause because we have over sixty seven thousand riders participating in the ride and yeah. already I think raised over $2 million. I need to go back and check the latest numbers, but cause they're growing mm-hmm. all the time. But yeah. um, when we, when I started to look for people 
to really bring this little series together, it was because on our Facebook group where everybody's checking in now, just hearing people's mm-hmm. stories and seeing their um, and how inspiring they were, it seemed like the perfect kind of thing. And hopefully these stories, these more personal stories will bring more light to the work that's being done by everyone. And and again, it's right. all selfless. It's all like, we just want to help oh, the yeah. kids. We just want to oh, yeah. contribute however we can. So help the kids, help the families, the doctors right. and nurses that do this. My sister um, is a nurse and she works with adult oncology patients. Oh, wow. That's hard, um, hard work. And she and her husband, he's a pharmacist and they do the same thing. And they um, felt called to work with these people. And I remember weeks where they were going to a funeral every week Mm -hmm. and they dedicated the same amount of time and energy and love and care to every single one of their patients. So bless those doctors and nurses that are, you know, doing the work as well. I hope that we can do something to make their jobs. Right. Right. I mean, the more we can find cures and ways to, you Mm -hmm. know, get past this, the better for them. They can do things that are less uh, grueling every day. So, um, so you're in Grand Junction, Colorado. You have a few kids. Um, yeah. So tell me, um, some random facts about yourself. Random facts about me. Okay. Um, I am a creator, so I write music. I write poetry. I write stories. Oh, wow. I like to knit. Um, and I love cooking. So those are my kind of creative things. I trained as an opera singer and um, did some semi-professional opera performances. Um, so that was fun. So when was, then, the, when was that? Oh, gosh. Three, four years ago, probably was okay. the last one I did. Oh. I sing with the chorale now here in Grand Junction and... Fingers crossed, if I can get a piece polished up for them, they may sing it this next year. So one of the pieces that I wrote will be um, performed, which is cool. Right. That's totally cool. Yeah. And then... uh, Like, we, I don't, like, logically put Grand Junction and opera together. So that's why that was an interesting one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the opera that I sang was when I was on the Front Range. So it was the Denver-Boulder area. Okay. So there's a few more opportunities for on the semi-professional range there. And I did go and study in... uh, Rome, Italy for a summer. Oh, wow. Really Aww. fun. Um, and let's see, one more random fact, I guess. I'm a practicing Tibetan Buddhist. And really? That oh. practice and that, um, I guess, way of living is what anchored me through the loss of my son. Everyone, you know, we find our different religions that speak to us mm-hmm. or our different practices or ways of being that speak to us that get us through our tough times. And I was reading about Buddhism mm-hmm. at the time that I was right before I was pregnant and then during that pregnancy. And it just made sense. Mm-hmm. I agree. And so then I pursued it and uh, yeah. So what I understand there's like different, um, I don't know what the right word is, but uh, I'm trying to think here. I had someone else on the show and it was oh, the plum, something, the plum, something that she was like, which group she was part of. Is there something, okay. does that make sense to you? Yeah. So um, I guess the cleanest analogy you could look at is in Christianity, you have the Catholic church uh-huh. and you have the Episcopalian church and the Baptist and all the different churches. And they have their ways of practicing the teachings of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. In Buddhism, because of the way it spread, um, 
we have our ways, each of us have our ways of practicing Buddhism. Mm -hmm. So there's like, for example, very basic Zen Buddhism Mm -hmm. versus Tibetan Buddhism versus um, the Hinayana Buddhism, which Mm -hmm. is basically where you go and you meditate and you work for enlightenment. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Zen has its very specific practices that come from China and Japan and I think Korea. Um, And then Tibetan Buddhism, which is very, very ritualistic. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, appealed to me because I was raised Catholic. Um, There's comfort in ritual for me. Mm -hmm. There's also, my mind is so scattered because I'm always creating that to sit down and meditate is very hard for me. Mm -hmm. So doing the ritual that teaches my mind that, okay, we're doing the ritual. Now we're settling down. Now we meditate. And it helps my mind clear. Okay. And so that would be why I like that practice over, say, a really intense Zen practice where someone would sit and look at a blank wall and meditate that way for hours on end. And the right. people who can do that, wow, uh-huh. that's amazing. You know, it's like the people who pray, who sit and pray all day and right. um, can have that kind of focus and that, um, that dedication to it is amazing. Um, I need a little bit more movement, um, a little bit more focus, mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit more something to focus me. Right. So that's why I like the practice of Tibetan Buddhism is that it trains you. And it, the ultimate goal in Tibetan Buddhism is, of course, to just sit mm-hmm. and be. Okay. And just like with the other practices of Buddhism and, and just like with following the teachings of Jesus to be able to emulate his, his teachings, um, no matter where you come at it from. Um, the idea is to be able to find that calmness of heart. Right. Yeah, I find it fascinating. I've been reading more about that myself lately. And I did look her up, and it was the Plum Village International Community of Engaged Buddhists. And mm, um, Is that the one with Thich Nhat Hanh? Yes, it is. Yes, he's an amazing teacher. Mm, yeah. So um, shifting gears a little bit to your riding, do you typically ride on road or trail, or what's your – What's your riding style? I typically ride road. Okay. A lot of my miles I'm going to get in is going to be commuting to and from work. Oh, nice. And we have, so here in Grand Junction, we're a long valley that goes from the mountains, the Rocky Mountains. Well, not really the Rocky Mountains. In front of the Rocky Mountains, Mm -hmm. we've got a the Grand Mesa, which is a beautiful plateau area up at 11,000 feet, still covered in snow. Oh, wow. Um, But then the valley stretches out, and we've got all these mountains around us and out into Utah. And they have gone and paved from one end of the valley to another what they call the Riverfront Trail. And okay. we ride mostly along the river. And it's a nice, relatively easy, because it's pretty flat, trail. So mm-hmm. my longer rides, I hope to get in some 25, 30, maybe some 40-mile rides um, riding the valley on that trail. Oh, Nice. Yeah. And my folks, my parents live out in uh, Loma, which is one end of the valley-ish. Um, it's towards the Utah border there. Okay. Um, and it's country and farmland. So lots of open roads to oh, just nice. ride around on. So um, the convenience there is, hey, mom and dad, take the kids. And my <laughs> husband and I can both ride and he can get his miles in while I'm getting my miles in. So is he doing a f- the fundraising as well? He is. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Uh, let's not overwhelm ourselves trying to compete. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Are, do, no. do you ride with any other people or just the two of you typically? 
usually it's just the two of us or the two of us with our kids. If we're going to ride the riverfront trail, we'll take the kids out. They can do, I've got a six-year-old who just got off training wheels and she can do about five to eight miles. Oh, wow. That's um, great. And my son is eight and he can, he'll, he can go. He just, he loves to go. So we, he could go a lot further than his sister, but she's getting there. So. Well, that's amazing. Um, it's fun to have a family ride. Yeah, absolutely. The cool thing out here is we have some amazing, amazing uh, mountain bike trails. Mm. So because my husband and I have a mountain bike, have mountain bikes, we like to maybe get some of our miles in on the mountain bikes as well, just to have fun here. Right. You know, oh, that's a great idea. Support the cause. So. Well, of course yeah. you have great mountain bike trails. You're like right near the Rockies, right? Yes. <laughs> it's like truly mountain bike trails, not just what we call mountain bike trails here. <laughs> um, our trails are probably a little more like out in Moab where you're out in the desert and you have some rocks and it's a plateau area where we're at. So it's not like super mountain biking trails, like going up to Vail or mm-hmm. Winter Park or something like the ski areas that open up for uh, mountain biking in the summer, um, really in the mountains, but, but we do have, you know, like I said, the Grand Mesa is up at 11,000 feet. So the trails up there are pretty high right? and you're in the pines and it's gorgeous. And, oh, yeah. that sounds amazing. You'll have to share a lot of pictures on the Facebook page along the way. I will. I will. So tell me, um, if people would like to, well, I hope they would like to donate to your page. What's the URL for your page? Okay, so the URL is greatcyclingchallenge.com forward slash riders forward slash Emily Morris, and that's spelled E-M-I-L-Y-M-O-R-R-I-S. Well, Emily, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I am um, so excited for what you and your husband are doing for the for the parents and the kids out there. I really appreciate you sharing like what's motivating you to do it. And again, uh, the way, whenever we can give back, it somehow takes all, like it helps lessen the burden on ourselves, you know? Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, be sure to um, put a lot of pictures out there and I will follow you on Facebook. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. And there we have another episode of the great cycle challenge series of 2019 where we've talked with several, I mean several different riders who've come to this ride for all different reasons to join the more than 80,000 people across the country riding to cure children's cancer. Everyone ultimately is doing it for their kids, for the kids, their kids or any of the kids, trying to prevent this disease and help cure it. If you'd like to leave a comment to any of the episodes, please head on out to the Apple podcast. You can leave a comment there. Leave a rating if you have a chance. Would really appreciate that. Or you can go to glisteningparticles.com and comment on their episode. Appreciate everyone's support and definitely head out to greatcyclechallenge.com. And there are so many ways to donate there. Anything you can do to help, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everyone. So are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, 
be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.